0: Welcome to the Deacon's Den, your neighborhood cozy cafe for Catholic conversation, dedicated to discussions distinctly diaconate. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and I have a corner booth reserved just for you. So come on in. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the Deacon's Den. It has been so busy at the den since the start of the year that even Joe and I have struggled to get a booth. But Joe, it's great to finally see your face across the table again.
1: It's good to see you too, David.
0: Oh, that's a heart moment. Everyone just hold on for that. No, seriously, the Christmas and New Year's holidays, followed by the need to balance our work, ministry, and family, it's kept us from sitting down together for a month longer than any of us expected. And that little delay, well, that's a perfect segue in today's topic, which, in part, is about keeping proper balance. We promised in our last episode that we would spice things up in the kitchen a little with this episode. And the spice has arrived. We might call you the Spice Girls. As we are joined by our amazing wives, Judy and Rosie, as we grapple with the question, diaconate in marriage, how two sacraments of vocation enrich each other. So ladies, welcome. Let's start by having you introduce yourselves. Continuing my theme of being deferential to my boss at the Chancery, Judy, why don't you go first?
2: Thank you, Dave. <laughs> my name is Judy Gassman. Um, I'm married to Deacon Joe Gasman. For 38 and a half years.
0: And they said it went not last. <laughs> I was just
1: wondering what she was going to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you two agree. <coughs>
2: never, Never a dull moment. We have two grown adult children. We have one son-in-law and two beautiful grandsons.
0: Awesome. And what do you do when you're not in a podcast booth?
2: <laughs> well, I do work part-time at Annunciation Catholic Church. I'm as the coordinator for marriage preparation and enrichment. And then the other part-time job I have is to care for our 10-month-old grandson.
0: That's a full-time job, right? It's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Best job you've had. Next, and certainly not least, the only woman who could ever put up with me for this long, Rosie, please introduce yourself as well.
3: Hi, my name is Rosie Camus. I'm Dave Camus' wife of 32 years. We have two children, both grown up. Aside from being a diaconate couple, we also volunteer coach Bishop Moore High School Speech and Debate and also own our own travel business, which keeps us busy. I also work full time for the Catholic Foundation of Central Florida.
0: As much as you can, you do things so you don't have to put it with me too long.
3: That's why we have to have that ministry together.
0: And that's why we need a podcast around the same room at the same time. Well, uh, ladies, truly, it's it's a pleasure to be here. And as as you can tell who are listening to this podcast, I have no control over what's going to happen in this room today. So God bless us all. Well, let's dive into today's topic and let's start with a trivia question. So hands-on buzzers. Who are the only members of the Catholic Church that can receive all seven sacraments? And I think, uh, Joe, you were first, but I'm still going to defer to the ladies. No, they're shaking their head now. No. No. Okay, Deacon Joe, step on in. By the way, those were not buzzers. I was expecting more creative sounds from all of you, but, you know. Yeah, Yeah. See, there was a buzzer, kind of. All right, Joe. Answer the question, and you better get that right. I think it's Deacon's. I think you would be right. (laughs) Actually, I'm glad you all got that one, as we would have a very serious problem with our formation programs if you didn't get that. So, yes, deacons are the only ones in the Catholic Church. We are the only ones who can receive all seven sacraments, as we are the only ones that can receive both vocational sacraments of marriage and holy orders. But here's the trick. Both of those sacraments entail a commitment, to use the terminology we use in marriage, of the whole of life. So how does that work when two things are both demanding the whole of your life? So Judy and Rosie, I'm going to let you drive most of this discussion today. When Joe and I were in formation, although at different places and different times, did this possible conflict between the demands of marriage and the demands of the diaconate concern you?
2: Well, Deacon Dave, demands is such a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> um there was some concern. I did not let it overly concern me. I was more resolved to, let's write it out and see how things unfold. Mm-hmm. And it unfolded over time. It was, anything wasn't immediate. But the concerns were there, slowly and subtly.
0: Rosie, what about you?
3: Well, I will be lying if I say I wasn't concerned. As I have mentioned before, our lives have been very busy from the get-go. We're always involved either in ministry or in other activities, and we try to do them together. When he started the diaconate, we have very two very small children, one four and one six at the time. So him entering the diaconate is more, can we do this? Is this the time? But we both felt that it is time and that we will manage on top of that his job actually travels around the world he was out of the country most of the time for international trips so it concerned me but we were able to I wasn't more concerned about the demands on the marriage so much Concerned about his health because now this is an additional thing that that is going to pull him away so yeah I did have concern. But over time, we were able to, with little tricks and tips that we were able to do, we, we finished the diaconate formation. So,
0: and, and both of you indicated the fact that it unfolded over time. And I think that's uh, that's an interesting insight because, at least I know for me, I'm guessing it's for you too as well, Joe. We like to have the answers when we start, when we like to go in. So, uh, and I see the smile. You want to comment on that?
1: Well, I think going into it, you know, we started through the lay ministry program together, and so we at least had that process together. So we were both being formed at the same time, right. which I think really helped us in determining how we would like to see diaconate formation as we unfolded that.
2: Right, we were both students in the lay ministry program. Right. It wasn't—I was not a support spouse. I was a student as well in my own right.
0: Mm-hmm. Very different students, too. (laughs) (laughs) That, I can believe, is true. (laughs) And and speaking of truth, so you've expressed concerns, ladies, specifically, I think, about the demands of time, and that certainly is a key aspect. Did those concerns prove to be true? You've said things unfolded over time, and you, you determined how to work it out. But what were you working out? Were we trying to solve problems that we feared and were true? Or did we find out that, okay, those original fears weren't true, but something else popped up and and there was another demand?
2: I would say the original fears were not as true in an outright aggressive way, for, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Over time, you start to realize how, gosh, before you know it, there's this, you're out of balance with work, life and ministry. It sneaks up on you. Joe and I have been very fortunate to be part of parish communities where the leadership of those parishes and the community from within the parish really were mindful of our time. They tried not to overextend us, and they were very cautious to say, we don't want to overextend you. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've been very blessed in that regard.
1: Yeah. Our pastors have been very, very in tune to when we've had to go and say, no, I can't do that because I've got to check with my wife.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, and since, since ordination, our daughter became married. We've had two grandchildren. So our life is different now than when he was ordained.
0: Let me stay on something you said just for a moment. You said we would find we were out of balance. What were the signals, if you are willing to share? I mean, because sometimes that could be, you know, <laughs> oh I want to be careful here. Here we but, go. But But, yeah, that, but, but that, what are the signals? What's the tip-off for
2: you? The signal is when I get that pit in my stomach and that eye roll that I might give him, like another text, another phone call, and you're checking your email again. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things, and, and that's like a red flag to us. Okay, what's going on here? And, and we'll, we'll talk little, about it.
1: She always had a little phrase that I knew it went too far because I'd get home and she said, I miss you. Oh.
2: Oh, Nothing
1: nice. else needed to to be said. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. time to recheck.
2: It okay. is, and it's something that I, I don't overuse. I mean, it's, it's a genuine when it's to that point. He I get
1: to use it once in a while, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all,
0: all all's fair in church ministry and marriage, right? Yes. Uh, so, Rosie, I, I get very nervous about asking questions to my own spouse. Because <laughs> um, she doesn't know. Because doesn't I don't know what it, she's going to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but again, for you, were the original concerns true? Were there other concerns that came out for you? And where does I, this lead you?
3: I don't think that there was more concern. I keep myself guarded when that thing comes. And I find it that unlike both of you, that you went through this, the formation together, Dave and I did not. I mean, we—I was invited as a wife, but really it wasn't mandatory. So because we had two small children, I decided that my role in this diaconate program was to take care of the kids. And so he was going through all the um, the formation, and then. I started to have that signal, you know how you said about signal. It started to kind of drift us apart, wherein he's learning and I'm not. And so this is taking his time and I feel like I'm falling behind. So at that point, luckily we both recognized it through communication and we said, let's find a way to go together. And through the help of our youth ministers program, we were able to get babysitters that would rotate to help us so that I can go to the class. So the fears are real, but we were able to somehow find a way to kind of alleviate that fear. We also kept a very rigorous calendar. Each member of the family has his own column, and everything was put on that calendar. And we have a saying, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. So we're able to kind of figure out which which things are going to take time. He set aside some time for his studies. Also, family dinner became a must mm-hmm. unless he's on formation. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, he set aside time for kids when they have games and stuff like that when he's not traveling or when he's not formation. So those all those things helped us.
0: Mm-hmm. So. So, so I'm going to extend on that. You focused on formation, which was good. That was certainly a challenging period. And then six months after my ordination, the bishop asked me to run a parish as a, what we call now a parish life director. So the demands actually went beyond even our normal diaconal ministry. I had all the demands of a priest-pastor uh, in my life, and our priest-pastors, as we know, don't have kids uh, or wives. So one of the things I really like that you said, which I had forgotten because it was so routine for us, is family dinners were sacred. There were times we had at 10 o'clock at night as a family because we needed that time to sit down and be together. And I think that was great uh, that you reminded me of that that without the kids at home. Now, sometimes, I mean, we still do that really well. (laughs) We still do that well, but we take it for granted. And the other point was the schedule. And I know one of the rules that was taught to me is no more than three nights a week in meetings.
2: That's very true.
0: And after three, we had to say no. That worked for me. But once I became the parish director, did you find, obviously it was demanding, do you feel, and again, this makes me mm. really nervous because she yeah. might say no. Uh, do you feel that we kept that balance or, or there were things that you learned in that that we could have done better?
3: I think I've learned a little bit on that. I find it that because of my upbringing, being, you know, I, I was a cradle Catholic. So everything that the church demands is good, you know, mm. regardless of if it's pulling him 100%. That's still good. So I feel guilty saying, you know, you can't take this one you know you've been in the church 98% of the time now but along the path i said no that's not good it's not good for us so i've learned that by reminding him you know you know you've been in meetings for the last 4 weeks or for, for last uh, 4 nights you know you need Hopefully you need only to just <laughs> it just seems like, just
0: seems, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just seems like yeah. well
3: especially when you know when we live in colorado and when when weather was there I think we've learned over the years to kind of like deal with that as well.
1: Yeah. One of the key points that you brought up earlier is that you were able to communicate about it, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think that is so critical mm-hmm. to for couples to be able to say okay. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there was times when it was turned around. Judy says in in trying to create opportunities for us to be together, we were getting signed up for things, and and it became to the point where I had no free time to breathe.
2: Exactly. And Mm -hmm. so we
1: had to have that conversation. It's like, you know, I want to be there with you, Mm -hmm. but there's got to be breathing room.
2: And we had that conversation a couple times because I'm a slow learner. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all?
1: (laughs) You come home after the bulletin's been circled and read, and it's like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and I'm going...
3: (laughs) And I think it's really important, too, that the diaconate program, as deacons, you are required to have retreats for yourself, to have your alone time, because in ministry, I think that is important, to have your alone time. Mm -hmm. And when he was traveling a lot or when he was was on a ship... And he would come home. I'm like, I almost pray that he would say, oh, I need to go up to Estes Park for three days so I can have my alone time. And I'm like, yes. You know, it's not like I want to get rid of him, but I knew it's important for himself, for his ministry, and for his own health.
0: She says know? that now. She really did yeah. want to get rid of me. Um,
1: Judy used to say, are you going on deployment anytime soon? Can <laughs> we
0: <That's laughs> so <laughs> send you away? Um you. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I really have lost control. Here. They, um, well, sometimes deacon couples serve together. I, I know we mm-hmm. did in marriage ministry for quite a while. We're back doing some talks now with right. marriage ministry, and that's a beautiful sign. But we're different people with different mm-hmm. charisms.
3: Exactly, exactly. And those charisms, you can't be you can't be forced to do a charism that is not yours, because then you start to resent it. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, we all have our own charisms.
2: Correct. And it's all in the delivery and how you present it. Correct. Right. It really is. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Not just telling people to go away. That's right. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Sometimes
2: we want to, <laughs> yeah, but no. we
0: don't. Yeah. yeah. Th- <laughs> we'll hold those in our heart. Okay. <laughs> so let's flip this around. Have you found that there, to, there are blessings from these concurrent ministries where they really do inform and enhance each other? Have you experienced any benefit? from being married to a deacon. They're they're looking at it like, no, let's
2: move on. The word that comes to mind is a grace, a deep, peaceful Mm -hmm. grace in being able to participate with my husband and to see him in his own right Talk with people, or we we help with couples, or just to see the love and, and think, oh my gosh, did this come out of that man's mouth? You know, did he really say this? Was he really this this pastoral and kind? And I'm going to say wisdom. <laughs> but Don't let it go to your head. Uh, yeah. but, you know, it's... Joe,
0: she's surprised when you were pastoral, kind, and exhibit wisdom. <laughs> yeah. You
2: are blushing. Yeah. It, it That's kind it's of, nice to hear I, her compliments,
0: yes. Just so go To see a
2: different side mm-hmm. that, you know, you can sometimes take for granted in, in your spouse, mm-hmm. in, in any relationship, and to see there's just a grace there. I don't know how to describe it in any other way. I think I have a greater
3: appreciation of our sacrament of marriage, our matrimony, because I think the diaconate really enhanced that. Because now, Judy, like what you said, you feel the grace that was put upon you, some people will call it like a burden because, ah, you know, it's another ministry that he's going to be involved in. How is that going to affect me? How is it going to burden me? But I did not look at it that way. I looked at it as a blessing. It's sort of like marriage 2.0, for for lack of (laughs) a better word, you know, because of the fact that it did enhance our marriage it enhances our communication we we communicate better he probably won't want me to uh, to say this but when he prepares his homily he always reads it to me first so i'm his first audience and i put my forensics hat and just kind of critique it and stuff like that and then <laughs> when he preaches out there it takes a life of his own and i think that's the greatest grace that he receives when he's up there and how it affects a lot of people you know and i and i do tell him you know when the message is is really hard i tell him i said you're gonna get a lot of pushback on this one you know you're gonna get a lot of challenges but at the same time i see the benefit right
2: when i'm going to ask you rosie when when you were first married did you ever think you'd be where you are now no I know I, we never did either no. and, and no, I, I think only by the, it's only by the grace of God <laughs> not only that we're still married but it's only by the grace of God that we are where we are right now yeah that there is no way that it can ever make sense of how we got here mm. yeah
0: it's yeah. God's sense of humor I think sometimes <laughs> <laughs> amen so Rosie and Jody if you had the wife of the deacon or a man in formation come up to you because they were struggling with this issue of compatibility of these two sacraments of vocation, what would you
2: advise them? I would first say thank you for coming to see me about this um, and that they're not alone. I would try to kind of listen to them to find out if really it's a deeper issue where we really need to refer them to the Comfort. diaconate office or if it's just something that, you know, we just need to listen to. And, you know, that's that's where I would first take mm-hmm. them. But I would always let them know that it's normal. I would be very grateful and thankful that they did because there are probably other couples that want to do the same, but they're afraid to. They don't want to disappoint their pastors. They don't want to dis- disappoint their spouse. They don't want to disappoint family members or parishioners that, like it or not, the minute they find out their information, there are people who already have them ordained and on the altar. They mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful. It's very... It's a very brave and courageous person to come forward with those kind of concerns. Rosie? And I'd be really surprised if not
3: all... Wives will have some, at least a little concern. Some of them big, some of them small. But for them to trust us mm-hmm. and say, How did you deal with this? Now, each and every one of us will have different experiences. We have different marriages. We're, we're married to different men. And, and, you know, we all have our quirks and personalities. But there is some commonality in them, right. you know. And so, with those commonality, maybe we could give them some little tips. Maybe they've already heard it. Maybe they just need mm-hmm. confirmation from other wives, that it's okay, that it's okay. And a lot of times they're even afraid to do that. But yeah, when they come to us, you know, we're like, wow, they
2: trust us. So that in itself is an honor. If we find out that they haven't shared this concern with their spouse, that would be a bigger concern in my mind, because the the spouse and the, both of the spouses have to be able to safely and comfortably be able to share any problem together. Mm -hmm.
0: So we're coming to uh, the end of our time here together. So for any of the three of you, are there any closing words that you feel that you'd like to share on this topic, uh, reaching out to deacon couples or or couples in formation?
3: What to keep in mind is the deaconate couple is a lifelong journey. It's like a marriage. Well, it's not like a marriage, but it is a marriage with God as being the third person in your marriage, as we hope that our marriage is like that. Communication is vital. You have to keep it open, honest, and timely. You can't let it sit and fester. And the third part, which I am still learning, is be your husband's gatekeeper. Be willing to say no for him and also be his cheerleader because there are times that they feel, you know, they're human. You have to be their cheerleader. But at the same time, you also have to be their gatekeeper because a lot of times, personally for me, I'm going, okay, yeah, just do that. But then, you know, it starts to fest around me. I have to learn that every single day. Right. So that would be my parting words to any deacon couples or people that are couples that are thinking of going and entering into mm-hmm. formation. You know,
1: this is so comforting to know that Judy is kind of like my guardian. So as I'm greeting people leaving the church or coming into the church, you know they'll say where's your wife and I said she's around here somewhere she's probably watching <laughs> but it's it's a comfort to know that you know mm-hmm. you have that guardian cuz in today's environment where you could be accused in a drop of a hat for mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. to have that person that supports you completely that understands that that engagement might need to be very private but yet still be present is is powerful
3: mm-hmm.
2: If I had anything to add, I would say, and this would go to people, couples who are where the husband is already ordained a deacon or those in formation or thinking about formation, it's okay if the wife feels they need to, that as a couple, you need to step back for a bit and reevaluate where things are. It doesn't mean you stop being Catholic. It does not mean you're no longer part of your parish. It is okay to recognize when those red flags are there and say, this might not be for us at the moment. Let's step back. Mm-hmm. It's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And I like that as well when we, once we are ordained, there's still that opportunity to step back and take a sabbatical because if our marriages do not remain strong, and we know this sitting here, but I really hope that everyone who listens to this podcast hears it and gets it, that if our marriage is not strong, then our ministry of deacon will fail and that becomes vital. So I appreciate very much you mentioning that. Well, I promised that we'd spice things up a little this month by bringing in our amazing wives, and I hope the spice was right. (laughs) A little Tabasco. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next on the menu? Well, most Catholics experience deacons serving in liturgy, assisting their priests at Mass. But why does the deacon perform the specific liturgical roles that he does, and how does his presence complement the presence of the bishop's priests and the lay faithful during the Mass? Check us out next time to find out those answers. Well, sadly, we've reached closing time of the Deacon's Den, but I'm glad you dropped by. Come back on in when you hunger for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you.